Welcome to the Easy Speak Speakeasy. You've unlocked the door to unfiltered mental health and wellness conversations. Okay, here we are. Episode five. Hi, Diana. Hi, Christy. How are you? I am so great. We're ha- unlocking these unfiltered conversations yes. about mental health. About mental health. And wellness. And wellness. And it's still Women's Empowerment Month. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. And uh, what better month than to introduce our newest set member edition. Yeah, sorry for all those listening on the podcast because you can't see this slaying you can't see piece. This, this slaying gorgeousness capture. Look at her. Look at her. The the moment Christy and I laid eyes on Capture while we were shopping for this new set Hootis situation. New set, set Hootis. Set upgrade. Set upgrade. Yes. We both let out such a huge gasp <laughs> that I believe everyone within a 12-mile radius heard us. Perf. Also, yeah. I love when that happens. I know. <laughs> it was like... <gasps> It was like she was waiting for us. She was. She was just hanging on the shelf like this, like, I belong at the easy speak. Correct. I don't know why she has a New Orleans accent, but she does. She, well, <laughs> you know, it's a little speakeasy. Yeah, little... Because that's where we fell in love with speakeasies. Oh, that's, that's true. That's why she's a little Narland. Yeah. That is not a New Orleans, New Orleans accent, what I just did, <laughs> by the way. Sounded like that little Narland. <laughs> that is incorrect. Sorry to everybody I just offended. And for those who are listening, we should probably describe Capture. How would you describe this sexy beast? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She is the embodiment of this month, right? Yes. Like International Women's Month. Yes. Like power. She's bright red, yes. glossy. Yes. Body. Body on body point. Body. On point. She's got this power pose. It's I, yeah. I love her because I feel like she has like that like touch of like sensuality, but also like not in a vulgar way, like right. in a very like classy, strong. Mm-hmm. She's powerful. Powerful woman. She's like type I'm of way. sensual and yes, sensual and make sure you have consent. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I love her. She's great. Yes. So she's here to stay. Yep. And I'm down with that. Yes. I love her. And then we also have today, we poured our drinks already in mm-hmm. our RBG glasses. We have a strawberry situation happening. I wish I could remember what a this little, is. Your a little ASMR. Yes. Wild strawberry sour mash liqueur with some ice and Pellegrino. And it's like really nice and refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it's pink. And we have our RBG gla- glasses with us today. And I also just want to point out the slayage of our outfit choices. We do not talk ahead of time about our outfits, but like check out those shoes and check out my outfit. Check out her sweatshirt, I mean her t-shirt, and check out these glasses, RBG on them. I mean, it's yep. just and the, the notorious RBG the napkins. on my shirt and on our glasses. Mm-hmm. And you're in black and brown dress and I have the exact pattern heels on mm-hmm. it's just color block heels which nobody would ever believe we didn't plan this i know it's hilarious when you walked in <laughs> i was like nobody will believe it 
this is what happens. There's like that synergy. Like our brains are connected even when we're apart. Mm -hmm. I literally ran into my closet and I was like, this one and this one. And I like picked out my outfits, yeah. like not even thinking twice about it. Yeah. It was so funny. I love this about us. Yeah, me too. So I think speaking of the notorious RBG. Yep. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. For those who don't know those initials. Yep. Um, we, in wrapping up this month that is all about women and yeah. us being two women who are unafraid yes. to use our voices yes. and have unfiltered conversations, I think it was like a fun choice for us to have these little touches of RBG with us today because she was such an important figure on the Supreme Court and even before that with yeah. everything that she did and her ability to use her voice and not go with like what other people were saying and dissent against what was happening around her and really fight for women and for important issues. And I feel like in many ways, that's what we do mm -hmm. in mental health yeah. and in, in some other spaces, but definitely for mental health and for families. And I think as just entrepreneurs who are trying to make a space in the world, and yeah. we have very different ways about us in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that we like, respect and uphold each other's opinions even though they are may not be the same like we really respect each other and think about each other's opinions on things yeah and so that to me is so like rbg yeah you know like yes she was i feel like so powerful so thoughtful and made such a difference in the lives of women i mean yeah it's amazing. I admittedly did not know that much about her. It was when she died and <clears throat> I was working for a company at that at that time that you know the people who were working there were just really so distraught and so we had like a reflection space about her and so I started like learning about her, her history, all the different things that she did. And then of course she was really good friends with a news anchor on <clears throat> NPR who's name is is not in my mind right now but they had a, a few like specials about her um, where they talked and you know this woman like interviewed her throughout the years even before she became a supreme court justice so they were like had little sound clips of like different interviews they they'd had over the years and one of the biggest things that stood out for me about her was how powerful she was but also how great of a unifier she was so she was really good friends with, I forget, I think Justice Scalia, and the two of them, in, in terms of their opinions, were very different, and they would almost always be opposite, voting on different things on the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. but then like they, their families were extremely close, like they'd like vote and then like go to dinner with mm -hmm. one another. And so that really stood out to me, especially in this, so, there's just so much contention in the world right now, especially on the from a political standpoint. You know, it's either you're on this side or you're not, and it mm -hmm. feels like there's not a lot of people who are giving good examples of what it's like to 
disagree but respectfully so mm -hmm. and disagree but still maintain a healthy relationship as mm -hmm. colleagues and as humans you know um, and so I really loved learning that about her and it really started to make me think more about you know who she was and try to learn a little bit more about this incredible woman who just like to think about it you know when she became a part of the Supreme Court it's like that's like unheard of Mm -hmm. You know, now we have m multiple women on the Supreme Court. We have people of color, like you know. So mm -hmm. she definitely broke down some doors, which is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. what it's I I have thought of her a lot recently with some of the changes that have happened in the world around like Roe versus Wade mm -hmm. and a lot of because she was Jewish. There's been just so much recently. Mm -hmm. sort of like hatred and hate speech around the Jewish community yeah and I've thought of her and what sort of sh her stance and poise would be and yeah. what she would be saying in the world yeah at this point um, but it's interesting you know how uh, somebody who had such an important space in the world is is not there to hold that space how important you know these roles are yeah but you know what you were saying about the importance of respecting other people's voices, mm -hmm. I think is one of the core values that we have when it comes to parent voice and mental health. Yeah. And that to me, I think is something that we continuously are having to fight for. Mm -hmm for you, for the people that you are serving, families that you work with, um, and for me, you know, with the families that I work with and also with families that I interface with in my personal life through, you know, my son. And I think, you know, over the years of time that I've been working in the field talking about parent voice, there are these sort of terrible misnomers about what family voice is about. Yeah. And they equate they, I'm putting like a lot of people into the they category. Yeah, but yeah. Like professionals, you know, people in different places that are not families, that are working with families on behalf of families or, you know, quote unquote, in unison with families, yeah. oftentimes have a different perception of a family's voice than what they may even say to the family. Yeah, And I think a lot of times when parent voice isn't in a room, there is an entirely different type of conversation than what happens when the parents are in the room. Right. Which is why so important for families to be included at every level when it comes to their kids mental health yeah yeah no I agree it it's it's an interesting topic because you know most medical things if we think about just like the medical field people are going to the experts right there's like the expert is the surgeon who knows how to re remove your gallbladder, right? You're not gonna go there and tell the surgeon what to do with that, right? But mental health has so much 
everyday life nuance in it that the expert actually is the family or the caregivers right and it's a different perspective than what the field in general is used to right it's it's just another example of how as a whole our society is really approaching mental health from the wrong perspective or putting too much energy in one particular direction right like I said I, I think a few episodes ago that quote that mental health is a social is a medical problem with social solutions right and that's very unique to mental health that's not the same thing as you know any other physical health aspect and so I think a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their minds around looking to the family for the expertise because we've just been so conditioned to you know look to the experts right the people who have gone through years of training and all of that and you know there is a role for all of that but the the point is and i think what we continuously try to communicate to people is that that can't be the standalone thing as it relates to mental health right that's why we're seeing the huge bottleneck in the mental health system because we're relying so heavily on professionals and it's like i used to say to my families all the time when i worked with them you know one-on-one -on -one therapy i was going into people's homes in boston and i would say to them hey i'm here one hour a week there's so many hours that I am not here. And so the time that I'm here is should be to capitalize on what you're doing versus versus the other way around. Right. And mm -hmm. so let's figure out how to make that happen. But that's not a typical stance. And, you know, I think part of the issue is that a lot of times people enter into the, their mental health care journey at a point of inflection, at a point of crisis, right? We tend to wait till it becomes a huge issue before we address it, right? It's only recently that we even started doing mental health screenings at well visits, right? And so we're not necessarily very proactive in, in this country and in our society as it relates to mental health. And so I think we get to a point where everything's kind of on fire and we have a, a, like a very set way of how we approach things. But we know that that's not sustainable because our system is failing children and families left and right, right? They're the longest, the shortest wait list right now for therapy that I've heard is a month. Mm -hmm. And then when I hear that, I'm like, are you new? And it's usually they're a new provider or they're not that great. So people don't necessarily want to go to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. The other thing that I I love the comparison that you made to the medical model because I feel like this is such a great point. When it comes to the medical model, families are always considered, mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about, okay, the gallbladder situation, like if you're going to have your gallbladder out, Nobody would just go ahead and make a decision to take a kid's gallbladder out right. without their parents' consent, right. right? In the mental health field, people take liberty mm. with mental health services, with what they think a parent's or a family's thought process approach may be. And in actuality, they really have no idea right or they have made a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. and in the medical model that's something that would never happen and yeah. i think this is where we start to see contention start to happen between providers and in parents mm. 
is this liberty that ends up happening that has been being been taken from a family's life, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've made this decision or you've made this opinion, formed this opinion about a family and therefore you've made a recommendation or changed something in school or, you know, done something that is different without consulting with and getting the permission yeah. of the family. And that is something that I think because we don't maybe take mental wellness and mental health as seriously a lot of times as the physical aspects, that all of the things that fall after that are not t taken into consideration, right? Like we, yeah. people share information about mental health so much more openly than you would ever share somebody's medical information. Yeah. You know, like these conversations that happen or... Between like a teacher and like, a, elaborate. Yeah, so like people will voice, they will, I've heard on n a number of occasions, I've been in rooms where we're having a conversation about a family or a youth and suddenly there's information being shared about diagnosis, right. the opinions that are being given about the inner workings of the family, mm -hmm. it, like information that maybe not everybody in the room has a release for or has been given information. Yeah. Or, and this is a, bet, a big pet peeve of mine and, and is for many families, that the family doesn't even know this conversation is happening. Right. Right, like in the medical model, if we're thinking about we might take this child's gallbladder out, the doctors are going to tell you we're having a conversation about what the best course of action is. Yeah. And like you know that you're waiting for the doctor to give you a call back about what they think is going on with your kid, yeah. right? In mental health, it's like people just get together in yeah. a space yeah. because something has happened. Yeah. And oftentimes, I see professionals make things a crisis that right. aren't, right? Yeah, yeah, I had a call like that the other day, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then all of a sudden, like, the professionals have worked themselves up to like a level 10 anxiety. Yeah. And the family's like, this is not new. This yeah. is not something that is anxiety producing for us. Yeah. You should have consulted with us about this thing. Now you've brought that worry to the child right. whose anxiety has is now risen. And I think that, I think most times people don't do that to be harmful, mm -hmm. but it's the lack of consideration mm -hmm. and then the lack of accountability, right? right? So when the family's like, excuse you, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. did you think, that you should call me when you guys decided to get into a room yeah. and make a bunch of decisions about my kid and then get worried and involve a bunch of other people and yeah. then call me after everybody's me at last. a level 10. Yeah, call me last, yeah. Like, that that was not the best way. And then people get defensive yeah. instead of like being able to sit in a place of open listening non-judgmentally right. as we teach in youth mental health first aid right yeah. listening non-judgmentally to that family and then people have such a hard time saying you know what that was a misstep yeah like so much so i feel like i've watched so many people lose their trusted relationship mm. with families 
because they don't want to just say, you know what, you're you're right. Yeah. I, Accountability. I goofed yeah. that one up. Yeah. You know, I was concerned in the moment. Yeah. And my first thought wasn't to call you. Yeah. And you know, I'll do better next time. What can we do from here? Yeah. Like, yeah. People want to hear you just say like, sorry. sorry. Yeah. People <laughs> want to hear you say sorry. I mean, I think I think what you're talking about is exactly the the challenge, which is that it's a social solutions focused, mm -hmm. right? And so we're not just talking about the mental health of the youth or the family. We're also talking about everyone else, mm -hmm. right? Um, in the medical model is pretty black and white, right? But now we're also dealing with, you, you brought up the, you know, school's anxiety or the clinician's anxiety, you know, that's also driving the decision-making and all of that. And, you know, there's a level of, we can't really control that, right? People are, you know, everyone in the world could probably utilize some level of therapy and support, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, those are aspects that we can't shift and change really, but we can help systems and, you know, um, organizations to kind of move more towards an, a place where families are being included earlier and earlier and earlier in the process, right? You know, I mean, it's interesting because as you were talking about the medical model, like the, they wouldn't just like come to a family and be like, this is a decision we made. But I know, like I've, I've gone through nursing school that there are huddles that happen between just the providers, right? And there are phone calls that are made and research that's done oftentimes before things are presented to the patient and their family, right? So that's a normal aspect of things. But with mental health, it just becomes so much more high stakes because the, the consequences are, so real even before the family gives consent for <laughs> for anything to be happening mm -hmm. right and that's the challenge you know and so as you're talking you know I, I'm thinking about myself as a provider and I know that when families come to me they are very much looking at me as the expert they're coming to me and they're like they tell me all the things and then they're like so tell tell me what to do what like what's the next step right and so I I want to acknowledge that that's still a dynamic that happens, that families are driving, right? And I think part of that is because we're conditioned to think and behave in that way because of the, the way the medical model is set up. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my work as a provider is to, you know, I see my work as not just giving a recommendation, but thoroughly explaining all the different options and empowering families to make a decision that's best for them. Right, like I can't make that decision for you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, the shift, you know, in terms of like that relationship. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's really challenging. I mean, we see it all the time. We we go into schools and groups of guidance counselors are sitting there and they're just going kid by kid, and they're like, you know, well, mom had a substance abuse issue last year, so you know she's neglected and like, Let's you know, go, Blaine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come no, on, it's shame. just like all the things. <laughs> And you know, A, those are the facts, mm -hmm. right? And so those are things that we definitely need to consider. But the way that in which we're considering those things and the way that we're letting them be factors shouldn't be a sole decision on like the people in that room, right? right. Yeah. So that's, that's the point, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's like, this is the importance of that collab, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a partnership. And I think, I think even the medical model has shifted a lot towards partnership yeah. and collaboration with people, right? Like we definitely 
patient-centered care right patient-centered care patient yeah. first yeah not you know we don't don't live I think in a time maybe when our parents were receiving care where like the doctor came in and was like da, 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 yeah, yeah, and like yeah. that was like no. fact right now it's a conversation it's a conversation yeah and we as healthcare consumers are smarter right we're right. doing our own research we're looking into this medication that is being prescribed or this referral that is being given and this is a great thing right that yeah. we're working together it puts the onus on everybody right. about how we're doing things right i right. think that's a great thing for providers mm -hmm. because it can i think a lot of people feel like that's a heavy weight when you carry the burden of ev the, a person's care yeah times x amount of people yeah and every people are human right mm -hmm. like we make mistakes we make errors we're tired mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's hard as a provider i think to make the right decision all the time nobody is perfect right and i think this is the importance of the collaboration with families yeah I feel like for me as a family and as a parent and having coached so many families along the way, one of the biggest hurdles is having to work with families on the importance of that collaboration mm. and also working with, for the sake of this example, a school guidance counselor on yeah. the importance of that collaboration. Yeah. It really takes that joint partnership. Yeah. And I think because sometimes these situations are so stressful, mm -hmm. they, we can get into that blaming and shaming on both sides. Mm -hmm. Families feel like as an educational system, we are due X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And guidance counselors feel like you're due X, Y, and Z, and I'm only one person. Right. You know, and so there's be can become like this contention. Yeah. And this is where I feel like we do a really good job of helping families and professionals to understand the importance of when you work together, the work becomes easier. Right. Right. Like we always say in our tr professional trainings and in, in TA that we do yep. that many hands make light work. Yeah. Right. And so it's so important for people to establish those relationships yeah. prior to the crisis, right. right? And being fully honest about what you have for time, how you communicate, mm -hmm. you know, what's the best way of communication. You know, I always tell people that are working with my family during the day, Yeah. Good luck yeah. in getting in touch with me. Yeah. Like we, yeah. let's schedule a time yeah. because if it's not in my calendar, right. I'm likely not just available to pick up right. the phone. Right. If you just want to have a check-in, right, right, like let, that's something that we can schedule. Obviously, if there's an emergency, right, great. But like if I'm in the middle of all of the things that I'm constantly doing, yeah, and you're calling to be like, so just wanted to check in on how things are going. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh, great until yeah. you just called and messed yeah. up my whole flower. <laughs> yeah. <up. laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not an ideal time, right? Yeah. And as a parent that's raising a kid with mental health needs, there's 
always the constant juggling of mm -hmm. the prioritization of home, the appointments, yeah. the, making the appointments, getting to the appointments, picking yeah. up the appointments, the yeah. school meetings, the work meetings, like all of the things that have to happen yep. that all working parents have, but when you have a kid with mental health needs, you take those appointments and double or triple them. Mm -hmm. So like when I'm working, I need to be able to commit my time to that. Right. And I think sometimes people who are already at work and it's their job to call families forget right. that families that's the family's working work. time, yeah, right? Yeah. So these kinds of things of like having this communication in the beginning, mm -hmm. like we have screeners that we have sent out to people to say like use this when you start your school year yeah find out when are the families available to talk is it better to text mm -hmm. is it better to have a phone call is it better to email yeah you know what how are you going to communicate you know i am somebody who and you've heard me say this many times i always tell families from the beginning i know like that this is going to be a great working relationship mm -hmm. and also there may be a time where we have to have a really hard conversation right and so i want you to know right now that when that time comes yeah this conversation will be coming from the same place that we are having this conversation right now where i'm trying to connect with you it's right with care it's because I want the best for your kid and your family. Mm -hmm. And even though it might be a difficult conversation, it comes from the same place. Right. And creating that foundation together, I think really sets a tone where that family is not gonna ignore like your phone call right. anymore. Right. Or like these are some of the things that I think parents feel like they are have sort of like carry this cross right yeah. that they're like this is why we named the episode notorious voices right yeah. like parents are notorious for not answering the phone yeah, yeah they notoriously don't answer the email yeah they're like you know when you talk about parent advocates it's uh, people talk about it in a negative way yeah and for me i'm like that's called good parenting <laughs> yeah hi yeah. what if yeah. you if they didn't say anything then what would the word be right no, it's true. Right. It's like, what? Yeah. So it's, I think, just finding like that place of love and humanity that people together, you know, just like that beautiful example that you gave with RBG, right? Yeah. It's like you say the hard things yeah. and then you go eat some pasta. Yeah, exactly. The carbs make it better. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think you know, a huge part of it is that communication, that collaboration, you know, and inherent within all that we're saying is the very real facts that mental health challenges are tough for mm -hmm. all involved, right? And I think sometimes people don't, you know, give enough credence to that. And, you know, you mentioned youth mental health first aid. One of my favorite modules is also the shortest and the last one. <laughs> is the self-care aspect of it, right? Because somebody who is burnt out isn't going to go the extra mile to help a family, you know, outside of the bounds of what it, their job description says. As a therapist, you're one hour a week and, you know, the family fends for themselves outside of that, right? And to some extent, you can't blame people for having that stance because the system isn't built to support them 
to, you know, be that expansive thing, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's why we have things like the PEARLS, the Psychological Enhanced Response Liaisons, that, you know, it's a system and a service that we've created to help people to do that work. You know, they do that heavy lifting and, and help bridge people so those conversations become easier to have or those points of connection become more natural and not forced, right? Because a lot of what we're talking about is also huge systemic shifts and huge cultural shifts. Mm -hmm. And that's hard work, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard emotional work, it's hard logistical work. And when people think about doing that work on top of everything else that they've got going on, it's, it's challenging, right? But having someone who can serve in that role to help those building blocks be put in place so that people can take advantage of the infrastructure rather than having to build it and then also take advantage of it, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I can't overstate the importance of parental family coaches utilizing their lived experience expertise mm -hmm. to be supporting families on their journey mm -hmm. because you families know families and organizations and organizations and right yeah. they're not just there for families they're mm -hmm. they're there for all of us because i think what we've identified is that the whole thing needs that support <laughs> the, whole the whole thing, thing the whole right? web we need that person to come around with the wand and just like mm -hmm. whip it around you know you look like capture with you. really a little wrap around capture looks like she's getting ready to hit a dougie <laughs> a little bit just a little bit she she's like if her legs weren't like that like i'd think she was getting ready to <laughs> saying <laughs> she looks like she's about to do a little wrap around oh i was just gonna say that a wrap around. Which is what we need. We need that wrap around support, right? Yep. And we can't rely on existing infrastructure to be able to provide that. So Right. And yeah. so, you know, having somebody who has walked the journey is that level of lived experience expertise is is something that has not been well measured yet, and that's something that we're working on. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you equate that time. Like I'll use myself as an example, <laughs> as I always do. Um, you know, I had to put off my own education for a number of years because I was one hundred percent overburdened. Mm -hmm not overburdened because I loved that kid and would give my life for him, but mm -hmm. I was overburdened by mm -hmm. the amount of things that one person could possibly need to get done right. in one day, yeah. right? As a mom who had a kid that was basically living in crisis, mm -hmm. and I had another child who I also had to take care of their needs and mm -hmm. make sure that she was safe and she was taken care of and she was loved and mm -hmm. all of those things. Mm -hmm and trying to financially support my family, mm -hmm. right? And so what I had to put something down, right? right? Like, so I had to put down my formal education mm -hmm. at that point. And I didn't end up coming back to finish that for 12 years, right? right? At that point, I was fully established up in this work right, right like right. I had already we had already launched pinnacle yeah like I had worked with the Department of Mental Health the Department of Children and Families I had done direct care work I yeah. had been supporting 
thousands of families at that point. I went back to get my formal education because that was just something that I wanted to do for myself. Yeah. But the amount of learning and expertise that I encountered and took in over that 12 year period is like, it can't be measured or we don't have a way yet that right. we have really fully defined to measure that, right? right. But what it's like to sit in, in an emergency room mm -hmm. or to advocate to not mm -hmm. sit in board, mm -hmm. sit for a number of days in an emergency room waiting for your child to receive psychiatric care mm -hmm. if they need it. Mm -hmm. What that process is like, what it's like to suddenly be thrust into people showing up at your house, mm -hmm. different teams of clini clinical providers, mm -hmm. trying to manage all of the people who are calling you, having a different type of school. Yeah. We ended up having a residential. Right. What it means to, at that age, we started a residential at six. Mm -hmm. What it means as a mom to try to balance having one child living at home and one child living in a residential educational facility mm -hmm. for their mental health needs and trying to balance like financially supporting everybody and being there can't for all of my kids. School. It's like, can somebody quickly make yeah. me eight clones yeah. of me? Yeah. <laughs> right, like that, uh, what it takes to do that and do that well mm -hmm. is it's a skill set yeah it's a skill set and yeah. it's a skill set that you learn on the job training yeah. right like mm -hmm. there's no class currently mm -hmm. offered anywhere that I'm aware of mm -hmm. that's like here's how to be the most excellent mother for your child that's in residential care <laughs> and your other child who is typically developing and is at home trying to just live their normal life yeah. with that sibling who was actually really experiencing severe mental health needs and also your boss is calling yeah <laughs> like <laughs> yeah this yeah. is like yeah. not a thing, yeah. right? And so, and through that, I was meeting other families who had other types of journeys and creating relationships with them and all of those different things. And so 12 years of that and then coming into the field and providing parent peer support and then working within governmental systems around family voice, you that is not, easily like quantifiable, right. right? But that level of expertise, like what somebody like the R Pearls bring into a room mm -hmm. of people who are working with a family and we're sitting around a table with a family there and potentially that youth and a therapist and some other folks and, and planning, yeah. the way that that person can really think through all of those different pathways yeah. and support a family's voice and also support like what it means from those providers. Cause to do that well, you have to be collaborative. Yeah. I mean, you can choose to go through it as a family. And I know some families who have done it, right? Like you can strap on your like, what are those helmets with the big like, like are they like Viking helmets that have like the big horns? Uh, is it Viking? Viking. Yeah, like you can strap on your Viking helmet and like <laughs> grab two axes and like try to just like 
battle fight your way through, but yeah. you're gonna be exhausted. Yes. Like collaboration, that yes. smooth yeah, that dance, dance yeah. is the way. Yeah. And oftentimes families get frustrated because it's like, why do I have to do this dance in right. order to get the services? Right. Right. And I hear that. Right. But it's like, do you want to die on that hill? Right. Of pick and choose your battles. Like, why do I have to do this dance? <laughs> yeah. Or do you want to like take the ladder? Yeah. And go directly up the hill yep. and receive the service. Right. You know, like. And that's like the interesting part about the pearls and lived experience expertise yeah. is that you don't realize all of these things are out there until you're thrust into it. Right. And that's when these amazing gems, pearls of people yeah. are formed, right? Right, right? Like they know that those barriers are out there and they've had to walk the, through these journeys and they couldn't die on that hill in that moment. Right but they've come back and said, now I can go and pick up these families yeah. who are trying to make their way up that ladder or are on that hill. Yeah. And I'm gonna go and talk to them about why maybe they should decide to get up and get to the ladder yeah, instead yeah. of dying here. Yeah. Right? And having like those real conversations with somebody who really understands it. And also some of the, some of the providers and different folks that we've talked about who are, you know, tend to be like, call, calling their colleague instead of calling the family, mm -hmm. right? Like, let us let me tell you why it would have been better for me yeah. if you had called me right. versus your colleague, or if you and your colleague had called me together right. and we talked. Right. So, you know, notorious parent voice. Listen, yes. I could go on and on <laughs> and on mm -hmm. about the importance of having families, voice front and center in both the capacity of the family that is being served and having a lived experience expert there yeah to support what is happening to help facilitate yeah absolutely i mean it's just it will, it will make a huge difference i mean you know really what we're talking about is a peer support model which exists in multiple forms already in the mental health space you know we're just kind of forging our way as it relates specifically to children's mental health and families and it's a complex study because you know all of the other peer support models are really focused on that individual who is seeking that peer support but with the family it's not just the the parent but it's also all the other adults and then also anyone else who has a stake in that child or that family doing well, you know, which is wide and varied, you know, mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Yeah. So, this was a great conversation. Yeah. I'm. Super important. Super important. And I think we should put some links in our description. Yep. To places where, well, for our pearls. Yep how you can get in touch with a pearl if mm -hmm. you families need one or somebody listening is interested in learning more about pearls. Yep. Um, and also, as families, there's lots of tools out there about how to think through getting your voice together. Like yeah. a lot of times it just feels overwhelming yeah. where you feel like everybody in the room is an expert. Yeah. So I think it would be great to maybe link a 
a website where we can people can download a tool that helps them sort of put their thoughts in order so that when you are going into that meeting you you know it's like when you go to the doctor and you're like I yeah. have everything and the yeah. doctor walks in and they're like how's it going and you're like uh, fine yeah <laughs> and then you get in the car yeah. and you leave and you're like oh I totally forgot to tell about to, yes. this thing on my foot yes 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 I think we should definitely do that. There's lots of tools and resources. Mm -hmm. um, on the Pearl uh, landing page, mm -hmm. we have a whole resource library for families mm -hmm. that they can go through. So we'll make sure to get that linked for you all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what a great conversation to wrap up yes. Women's Interna International Women's Month. Yes. Power. Power, to the women. Power to the voices. Why didn't I wear my pussy power hat today? Power to the people. I'm, I haven't I, worn that thing since like the first Women's March. You have one of those? Yeah, girl! Oh my God. I don't know about it. I don't know. That's a, that's a conversation for another podcast. It's like, you know, know. It's like a vagina, right? No, it's not a vagina. <laughs> it's, it's a vagina you wear. Oh, it's a cat. It's like it's a kitty. It's not a vagina. It's not. I don't know why my voice went like <laughs> all Ursula. Yeah, I were like, <laughs> get it right. It's not a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's like, like if a... Ursula lived it's... on Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> a big ant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big Angela. <laughs> it's not a vagina. What do you think? Stop it, because so many jokes are coming now that are... Quit while we're ahead. Stop it. Jokes are coming. I'm looking at Capture's body audio oh, here. It's body just too yaddy much yaddy. for me. It's too much. She's <laughs> <laughs> just one woman. <laughs> too much. Oh my gosh. So, thank you to our friends here at yes. BCA yes. for this. Thanks for hosting. Amazing us. space. <laughs> Nice deep cleansing breath yeah. and <laughs> cleanse. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's an inside joke. We you guys always have to cleanse and breathe. We have to cleanse breathe and, and breathe cleanse and all of that. And, you know, clear the dust away and the cobwebs yeah. and all that good we stuff. We do our saging and everything. Yeah. So yes, thank you to the folks at BCA. Yes. And don't forget, for, forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, forget, don't forget, don't forget, <laughs> you know why, subscribe, okay. rate, rate, and review. And review. Yes, subscribe, rate, and review, and please stick around for the meditation minute. Mm -hmm. Is that what we're calling it? Meditation minute? Meditation And moment. if you don't choose to stick around for the meditation minute, we hope that you take some time out for some self-care. And know that you can always come back if you don't have a place yes. that you go to for that sort of thing. You yeah, can just always scroll to the or, end. To the or you could listen to us again. True that. We love the plays. Okay. Um, Cheers. Over and out.